means literally in the Hebrew, it means surely and goodness shall hunt me down. Isn't that awesome to consider that? Is, is goodness and mercy hunting you down today? We're going to be told in just a minute for us to pursue love, literally to hunt down love. And isn't it so beautiful to meet the Lord right there as he's hunting us down, that we hunt him down. We, there's an awesome connection that we have with our Lord. And so a couple things before we get to our Bible study. Um, number one, we have a special service at five o'clock tonight. So if you can come back after you go to Costco, get your free samples and stuff. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. After whatever you do this afternoon, come back at five o'clock. We have a special service. We have uh, Dee Dee and Tanya and David will be sharing with us about missions in Bulgaria. Can you guys raise your hands over there? They're, they're with us here this morning. Dee Dee, get that hand up. <laughs> Dee Dee has been delayed here, not being able to fly back. And so I don't think it's an accident or coincidence. She's been able to stay longer and now able to share. And David and Tanya are going to share with us also about their ministry in Bulgaria. So if you can come back, we're going to have them share. Um, I may share for a little bit also about missions, uh, what we do with our church here. How You guys know we, are, we do a lot of missions, gang. And uh, that's certainly the heart of our Father, is it not? That is the heart of our Father, isn't it? Jesus didn't say, you and the world go to church, you and the church go to the world. Correct? Is that, is that what the book says? Something like that? Some of us can go, but some of us are senders, guys. So we need to find our place in that, in, in you know, connecting with God's heart on missions. Am I someone that's to go, or am I someone that's to, to send and be behind, the, be behind enemy lines, lifting up? Really, we're not. Um, but praying and interceding or supporting in some other way or some other fashion. So we need to be fully engaged in that, Lord, make, in, in, our, in our lives to make it count for the Lord. Um, so that's number one. Come back. We're going to take communion also tonight. So come back for communion. We'll take the Lord's Supper together also. Another great reason to gather as God's people. If you're feeling uh, really, uh, you know, you really want to come back earlier, 4 o'clock we have prayer. And uh, Jesus said, my father's house would be a house of prayer. This is a house of prayer also. Not only do we have God's heart on missions, but we also are a house of prayer. And it's absolutely crucial that we be a praying people. Amen. Amen. So we're going to, speaking of that, we're going to pray. We have a lot of young men and women that have just graduated. So you guys know what we do this time of year, this time. We bring up our graduates. For those that are here, you graduates, come on up. Elders, come on up too. We're going to lay hands on our graduates. And Brent, Bible College, come on up. You too, bro. You don't escape from this. Brent just graduated from Bible College also. Wow. All right. Praise the Lord. All right, you guys don't have a microphone, I'm happy to pray, so I'll pray. Why don't we lay hands on them? And by the way, let me encourage us to keep praying for them, um, for this next season, this next step that God would have for them in their lives. And so, Father, we're just so grateful, Lord, for our brothers and sisters that 
are taking this next step uh, of faith, this next season of life, thank you that, um, number one, we can rest, that you are in control. May they come to know that in a special way in their lives, that you are truly working all things together for good. Of those that love you, Lord, we know that these young men and women, they love you, Lord. And so as they continue to grow in their walk with you, Jesus, may they come to know you deeper and more intimately. We ask that you would stir up the giftings and callings in their lives, that your good hand would be upon them, Please, Lord, lead them, guide them, bless them, protect them. May they, Lord, continue to seek first your kingdom and your righteousness and experience your supernatural uh, provision and care for them. When they are afraid, Lord, that they would quickly look to you to keep their eyes upon you, Jesus. When they feel like they're sinking or overwhelmed, they would keep their eyes firmly affixed upon the one whose life whose hands are upon them. Their lives are in your hands, Lord. And so we just lift them up to you today. We hand them over to you, Lord. May you comfort the parents, Lord. Um, thank you, Lord, for the time that we've had um, with these kiddos. And um, Lord, we look forward to the great things that you have for each one of them, Lord. So strengthen the parents, Lord. Give them peace as well. We thank you ahead of time for the great things that you're going to do. Lord, should you tarry, may they make the most use of their time, that they would redeem the time. So again, we thank you, Lord. We thank you for the time we've shared with them. We selfishly desire more time, but we know your plans are best. Your ways are best. May your will be done. And so we commit them to you now. Again, we thank you for the great things you're going to do for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise the Lord. The Lord is so good, isn't he? Amen. For those parents with little, little ones, the time goes quick. One minute you're playing Barbie cars with them, the next minute they look like Barbie, and they're driving off with your car. <laughs> awesome. Hey, uh, so we have a Bible study this morning. If you would, open your Bibles with me. If you don't have a Bible, raise your hand. We are in 1 Corinthians. Chapter 14 this morning. What verse are we in? Verse 1, that is correct. Good job, you guys. First Corinthians 14, there's like 40, yeah, there's 40 verses. I was, uh, I was aiming for the stars this morning, first service, <laughs> thinking that we'd finish 40 verses, but it just didn't happen. <laughs> so the Lord wanted to slow us down. And I know some of us come from uh, different church backgrounds, 
um, concerning the spiritual gifts, concerning, we're going to talk about tongues this morning. Um, some of us come from maybe like a more traditional, kind of a Baptist background. Maybe you came from Pentecostal background. I like where we land as Calvary Chapel. We land right in the middle, don't we? It's because Baptists think we're Pentecostals and Pentecostals think we're Baptists. So it's like, <laughs> I like that. The main thing is we're biblical. Amen. Not just knowing the word of God, but knowing the God of the word. Amen. And desiring to honor him and to walk with him and to please him. And so no different this morning um, where we are just by um, way of reminder, our context. The Apostle Paul is writing to a church that he had planted, a church that he had pastored. And the church, after he had left, got into a lot of problems, right? There was division in the church. There was, um, the, they, the brothers and sisters in the church were suing one another. There were, the church was known, was famous in, in the community for sexual immorality. They were getting drunk at the communion table. And when they gathered together, Paul said, when you gather together in one place, so it was a church that gathered together in one, like we gathered together this morning in one place. This was a church that gathered together in one place together. And he said, when you gather together, it's not for the better, it's for the worse. And the problem was they were trying to outdo one another with their gifts. It seems to me as we study this passage there was an overemphasis on tongues and an underemphasis on prophesying or speaking words that build up and stir up and lift up one another. And we're going to see that in just a moment. Um, when people would come to their services, it would be out of control. Maybe you've been to a church like that where it's like, wow, what in the world is going on here? This is just, you know, at Corinth, it was tongues of Palooza. Everybody's, everybody's singing and praying in tongues, and it's like, what? You just drop in, and you're like, what in the world's going on here? There's confusion. And listen, because I, I bring that up because Paul's going to say God is not the author of confusion. You shouldn't come to church and be all whacked out and confused and weirdness and bizarreties happening. That's happened to me going to church before. I came to church with my Bible ready to learn God's word and to be built up in, in, in our most holy faith and, 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 and then to, to spend time with other brothers and sisters. I've been to churches where it was like, what in the world is going on here? This looks nothing like Jesus. And, and really, that's how we should gauge everything, shouldn't we? Is Jesus magnified? Is Jesus exalted? Does this look like Jesus? I mean, that's the answer for right now in our culture, too, by the way, because I'm getting lots of emails and questions about what's going on, specifically with the whole, I, I didn't want to go down this trail, but I, want, I think I need to share this. And you guys know what's going on, the whole racism issue and all the rioting and all the other stuff that's going on. And people ask me, well, pastor, what should we do? What's, I say, you know what I say? Look at Jesus. Because when Jesus walked this earth, guess what? Things were no different. Think about the racism issue going on in Israel at that time when Jesus walked. You guys remember what was going on? The Jews hated the Gentiles, and the Gentiles hated the Jews. Bling, 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 race issue. And guess what? The Jews hated the Samaritans even more. Correct? You guys remember James and John? Sons of Thunder, a couple of racist cats, weren't they? 
right? They pull into the village in Samaria. They're like, the Samaritans are like, get out of here, man. They come back to Jesus and say, Lord, they, they rejected the message, man. Should we call down fire? <laughs> should, we, should we torch them? Like, t- turn or burn? That's, you know. Remember what Jesus said? You, you don't know what spirit you are of. We should be of a different spirit, shouldn't we? Our kingdom is not of this world. This place is not our home. Our home is heaven. That's where we're headed. We are pilgrims, sojourners just passing through. Ambassadors representing the king right now here. For such a time as this, we need to be representing our Jesus. He went on to say, remember what he went on to say? The son of man did not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. Listen, are we into rescuing some people? We talked about this last week. Rescued people, rescue people. Jesus didn't go start blogging and doing all kinds of other stuff. He sought to rescue people, bring them into his kingdom. So take a look at, you know, go ahead and study it on your own. Look at how Jesus dealt with those issues. Terrorism. You know, Simon the Zealot, one of his own guys, was a terrorist. You ever wonder what that means, Simon the Zealot? He was a terrorist. Jesus brought him on board. God used that dude. God can use anybody. Touch a heart radically. Because remember what happened to James and John? Remember what John would later be known as? The apostle of calling down fire on people anymore? Toasting people up? What was he known as? The apostle of? Apostle of love. How does that happen? How do you go from a son of thunder to an apostle of love? You know how that happens? By walking with Jesus. Spending time with Jesus every day. Reading your Bible and praying. Not hard. You just hang out with Jesus. And he'll transform your life because God said he would do that. That's the difference between Christianity. That's the difference between Christianity and every other thing on the planet Earth. Religious system, whatever. Only Jesus can transform a changed life from the inner core of our being outward. That's what our country needs. Is Jesus Christ. Well, we got a Bible study. Where where are we at? 14. Church was jacked up. Paul's trying to help them out. Are you with me? They weren't honoring God. Church wasn't being built up. And you remember from the last two weeks, chapter 13, we talked about love, didn't we? There was a lack of love that was happening within the church, the very thing that's to mark our lives as followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so Paul talked about the preeminence of love in chapter 13. Love is the greatest. Amen? It's what's necessary, it's what's needed, it's what's meaningful, it's the only thing that's going to last, is love. Love endures all things, we read, and love never fails. And so, the, listen, the spiritual gifts we're going to talk about this morning, all the spiritual gifts, they are only worth something if they are infused with love. And so, let's check it out. Look what it says, chapter 14, verse 1. And that's where he begins. Two words. That's a great thing to meditate on this week. Pursue love. Hunt down love. Continually go hard after love. Are you continually going hard after love? Loving the Lord and loving others. He says it right at the get-go. Pursue love. And he goes on to say, desire spiritual gifts, but especially 
that you may prophesy. So he begins with what? Since love is the greatest, that's what we must pursue. But he also says, be fervent, be zealous. It's okay to desire spiritual gifts. Do you know that the Lord has spiritual gifts for you this morning? You have, you have a spiritual gift package, if you will, that the Lord has given you. Supernatural abilities, capabilities. And so we are to continually burn with zeal for spiritual gifts. And so he tells us, though, specifically that you'd what? What does it say? That you'd prophesy. Specifically desire that spiritual gift. And we're going to be told why in just a moment. Look what it says to me. What's it say? Verse 2. Check it out. For he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God. For no one understands him. However, in the spirit, he speaks mysteries. But he who prophesies speaks edification and exhortation and comfort to men. He who speaks in a tongue edifies himself. But he who prophesies edifies the church. I wish you all spoke with tongues, but even more that you prophesied. Why? For he who prophesies is greater or it's more beneficial than he who speaks with tongues, unless indeed he interprets. Why? And, and this is the heart of the matter, that the church may receive edification. Let me just point out real quick, Paul's going to make this point over and over and over again in this section. He's going to talk about edification. What does it mean to edify? Or what does edification mean? To what? To build up. That's what he's taught. That's going to be the main thrust of our passage this morning, is that the church would be built up. When we gather together as a family, as the body of Christ, God's heart, God's intent in us gathering is that we would all be built up, to be strengthened, uh, built up in our most holy faith. So notice what he says to me, though, in verse 2. If you are exercising the gift of tongues, he says, you are speaking to who? You're speaking to God. This is important. Tongues always goes this direction. It's always praising the Lord. It's prayer, praising, singing, Communication, here's a definition for you. The gift of tongues is a gift from the Holy Spirit that enables a person to pray, praise, or other communication in a language otherwise unknown to that person. The audience is not the church, it's God. Are you with me? We see that, if you're taking notes, you can check this out. Acts chapter 2, remember the day of Pentecost? Holy Spirit gets poured out on the church. The believers, right, they were praising God, it says, in all these different languages, and everybody that was around them were like, whoa, they're praising God in my tongue, in my language. There's something supernatural happening here. Some people thought they were drunk. And then Peter gives that amazing sermon, if you will, right? To help them understand what's going on and then brings it right back to Jesus Christ and their need for salvation. Acts chapter 10, house of Cornelius. You can check that out later too. 
Holy Spirit fell upon those Gentiles there, and they began to magnify God with tongues, with different languages. Supernatural gift. And so it says no one understands him. So with no interpretation, no one knows what he's saying or communicating. He's speaking, it says, mysteries or hidden things that only God can reveal. And so let's keep going on. By the way, remember the context. This is in the general assembly. Everybody gathering together. Verse 3. But he who prophesies, the person who prophesies speaks what? Edification. And we already defined that, right? To, to build up. Edification. What's the next one? Exhortation. That's to stir up. If you, Anybody here athletes? Anybody here play sports? Like two or three of you. For those of you who don't know, in sports you have a coach. And sometimes that coach gets really excited like me. And stirs you, it just stirs you up to go back out there and crack some skulls or score some gold or whatever. Are you with me? So when someone's prophesying, they're building up, they're stirring up, and it says comfort to men. They're also lifting up. Their words are... You're, you're, not a, you're not a drain, you're a fountain. Your words are building up and strengthening and stirring up and encouraging and lifting up also. It's not just, you know, some people look at prophesying as spirit-inspired preaching or teaching. It's not just that. But under the guidance and direction of the Holy Spirit, we are, we are given, all of us can experience this. We are given this unique ability to share with one another. To minister to one another. Paul's going to say that in a little while. Listen, you can all do this together. You can all share with one another in this fashion. But I would point out, listen, when God is speaking through us, that's what's happening when this happens. This gift is in operation. When God is speaking through us, please take note of this. Our words will build up and not tear down others. Number one. Number two, our words will encourage, not discourage others. And number three, our words will strengthen and not weaken others. This is both tongues and prophesying are two misused gifts, big time. Because there's sometimes, you know, maybe you're at a service and someone stands up and says, thus saith the Lord. You know, thus saith the Lord hasn't been used since the Old Testament, by the way. The gift of prophesying is not to rebuke someone. It's not to curse someone. And it's also not on the same level as Scripture. This is the only truly, completely inspired word right here. It's from God. Prophesying will never supersede Scripture or contradict Scripture. Are you with me? It's so important to understand that. We'll talk about that later, about testing everything with the word, testing everything with the word of God. It's not on the same, prophesying is not on the same level as the Bible. Um, but it's important. It's an important gift that we need, to t- we need to step out and walk in this, gang, and to desire this. Paul's saying, desire this gift that you can build up one another. Because, he says in verse 4, look what he says. He says, the person exercising the gift of tongues builds up who? Himself. While the person who prophesies builds up the church, edifies the church. There's an other, with prophesying, there's an others-centeredness. If you look at the life of Jesus, it was always other-centered. Are you with me? Always. 
That's the heart of our Lord. And so when we prophesy, everyone can understand what's being communicated and everyone has the opportunity to be built up in our most holy faith. And Paul says in verse 5, he says, I wish you all spoke with tongues. Paul wished everyone had the gift of tongues. In fact, in verse 14, we're going to find out Paul had the gift. And he tells us how he used the gift. But he wanted everyone to share in the blessing of having this gift. But guess what? You know what that means? Not everybody has this gift. I'm saying that because there are some churches that teach, if you don't have the gift of tongues, you're a second-rate Christian. You're not filled with the Holy Spirit. And I would say to you, you need to restudy the book of Acts. Because not every time they were filled with the Holy Spirit, they spoke in tongues. So important. Or some some people go the distance of saying you're not even saved because you don't. I'd say, whoa, time out, buckaroo. You're saved by grace through faith. Paul wished everyone could have the gift of tongues, but even more so, look what it says, that everyone prophesied. The gift of prophesying is more beneficial than the gift of tongues. Tongues is beneficial, though, to the body if there's an interpretation. Because that's what it says there. Um, Unless he indeed, look at the end of verse 5. I wish you all spoke with tongues, but even more that you prophesied. For he who prophesies is greater than he who speaks with tongues, unless indeed he interprets. So tongues are beneficial if there's an interpretation. Are you with me? And we'll talk, more, we'll talk more about this as we roll on. But I also, personally, I believe all the gifts are for today, including the gift of interpretation. You may be saying, well, I don't believe that, Pastor. Again, I would say go back and study Acts chapter 2. When Peter gave that message on the day of Pentecost, he pointed back to the book of Joel. He backed up what was going on with the scriptures And it speaks about the gifts being in operation until the day of the Lord. Has the day of the Lord happened yet? Has the day of the Lord happened yet? Yeah, you guys are Bible students, you know. It has not happened yet. The gifts are still available and in operation. If you want to talk more about that, I'd be glad to. Maybe you're saying, Pastor, you know what? This tongues thing is just totally weird and bizarro world. Man, guess what? We won't be back to this chapter except next week for another 10 years. So just hang with us for a couple weeks, okay? You with me? Okay. And so prophesying, there's no need of an interpreter. You share. The church is built up. That's the heart of the message here. But now, brethren, verse 6, check it out. But now, brethren, if I come to you speaking with tongues... What shall I profit you unless I speak to you either by revelation, by knowledge, by prophesying, or by teaching? Paul's like, if I come to your church and all, of I, and all I do is just start speaking in tongues, what good is that to you? He says it would be better, and he's going he's to make this point in just a moment, that we have understanding when, when we're sharing with one another, that there's understanding that we might grow in our walk with the Lord. So he says wouldn't it, it would be better or more beneficial if I speak to you by revelation, by knowledge, prophesying, or doctrine, or teaching. 
The greater benefit, here's the deal, the greater benefit to the body of Christ as we gather in the General Assembly is speaking uh, with words that are able to understand. We're able to, we're all able to grasp and understand. Because look what he says, he uses an illustration here of instruments. We've got some musicians here. This should resonate with you. Look at verse 7. Even things without life, right, whether flute or harp, when they make a sound, unless they make a distinction in the sounds, how will it be known what is piped or played? For if the trumpet makes an uncertain sound, who will prepare for battle? So likewise you, unless you utter by the tongue, check this out, words easy to understand, how will it be known what is spoken? For you will be speaking into the air. So what does Paul use here? He uses musical illustrations to demonstrate the importance of speaking so everybody will benefit. So everybody will understand. Does that make sense? The first example is what? He talks about the flute or the harp, right? So listen, if I, if I came up here and, like Michael plays the guitar really, really well, doesn't he? Doesn't he play really well? And Glenn, you know, playing those twinkling the ivories up here, he's jamming, right? They play well. If I came up here and started playing, guess what? That would not compel you to worship. <laughs> You'd be like, when's this over, man? It's a bunch of noise. I don't understand it, but when they're playing, right? It's understood. The notes are played distinctly with what? With pitch and beat and chords fitting together to communicate a song. I'm just coming up here and just whack, boom. And then he uses the illustration of the guy in the army that plays, right? Do, 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 do. Reveille, is that what it is? Time to muster the troops, go to battle. If someone like me grabbed the trumpet and started playing, you wouldn't know whether it's time to eat or it's time to go to war. <laughs> Why? Because it's not put together. It's not understandable. That's the whole point that Paul is making here. He says in verse uh, 9 that unless you utter by the tongue words easy to understand... If what you communicate is just a bunch of random sounds, no one will understand what you're saying. You're just continually talking to the air. Does that make sense, you guys? I don't think this is hard, but it's glorious because he goes on to say, look at verse 10. He says, there are, it may be, so many kinds of languages in the world, and none of them is without significance. Therefore, if I do not know the meaning of the language... I shall be a foreigner to him who speaks, and he who speaks will be a foreigner to me. There are lots of different languages in the world, aren't there? Is each language important and vital? Absolutely. God created us with that unique capacity or capability. But if, if I don't understand your language and you don't understand mine, we'll be like foreigners talking to one another, correct? So if I cruise over or our team cruises over to Bulgaria and we drop into Bulgaria, right? Does anybody know Bulgarian besides our precious sisters? Anybody here know Bulgarian? So we take a team over there and we start talking. 
Oh, they start talking. Are we going to understand what they're saying? They'll be laughing, having a good old, like right now they're laughing and having a good old time over here. And we're like, what in the world are they talking about? We don't understand because we don't get the language. Like, have you ever been to a foreign country and you didn't understand the language? It's frustrating. You're clueless. You're not able to connect with one another. And that's what he's saying here. We, when we get together, there should be understanding and learning and connection with one another. In fact, look at verse 12. He's going to come to this amazing point right here. Verse 12. Even so, since you are zealous, since you're fervent, desiring spiritual gifts, let it be for what? For the edification of the church that you seek to excel. There it is. The church being built up is where you need to be focused. That's how to excel in God's kingdom, is that we would all be being built up together. But listen, this morning, just like at Corinth, we have a problem today in the church. So much of today's church experience is centered around, guess who? Me, myself, and I. What am I going to get from this church? What do you got to offer me? You guys know what I'm talking about? And if I don't get what I want, guess what? I'm out of here, man. In Corinth, you couldn't do that. There wasn't like First Corinth Baptist or Calvary Chapel of Corinth on this corner. You couldn't go anywhere. There's one church in town, man. You couldn't jump ship and try to find out what fits you, what's pleasing to you. And I'm glad that God has diversity. That's cool. There's different places you can get filled up, isn't there? Texaco, Chevron, whatever. (laughs) Hallelujah. But it shouldn't end with just me getting filled up. It shouldn't be I just come in and get stuffed, get filled up, hallelujah, sing some songs, and then out the door. And we're going to see that in this passage. I think we're going to be challenged. We'll definitely be built up and stirred up. We're going to be challenged, too, this morning as we continue through this passage. Because God doesn't want us just to be consumers. He wants us to be reproducers. We're called to make disciples, aren't we? Isn't that what the book says, Jesus said? I command you to make disciples. I'm with you. That's what you need to be about my father's business, just like I was. That's what the Lord's calling us to. And listen, as we are touched by God, it's awesome. We worship, we're touched by him, we touch his heart, he pours out into us, glorious, we're edified, we're challenged, we've tasted and seen, the Lord is good, but our receiving should compel us to not only love the Lord even more, but to love others and to serve others. You know what that means? God wants to bless others through your life. I mean, just think about that for a minute. God wants to bless others through your life. You ever get that like a... Thought, your brothers and sisters here, to use you in a special way to touch someone else with the spiritual gifts he's given you. That's awesome. Well, let's keep going. We've got time. 13. Therefore, let him who speaks in a tongue pray that he may interpret. For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my, un- but my understanding is unfruitful. What is the conclusion then? Verse 15. I will pray with the Spirit and I will pray also with the understanding. 
I will sing with the Spirit, and I will also sing with the understanding. Otherwise, check this out, if you bless with the Spirit, how will he who occupies the place of the uninformed or the untaught say amen at your giving of thanks since he does not understand what you say? For you indeed give thanks well, but check this out, but the other is not edified. So if you have the gift of tongues, Paul says what? Pray that you're able to interpret. Why? Because when there's an interpretation, everyone gets built up. Everyone is encouraged. Can I share with you a minute my own personal experience with this? Okay. I didn't, I'm not waiting for an amen right I'm just going to share. So... Uh, it was a number of years ago, I went to a pastor's leaders conference with my buddy. Um, he, came, he grew up in the Baptist church. He was a Baptist pastor and then eventually became a Calvary Chapel pastor. Um, he loved the movement, what God was doing with Calvary Chapel. We're at a believers meeting and uh, like a bunch of pastors and leaders gathered together in time of worship, time of just kind of open up to, to the spiritual gifts, you know, to see how the Lord would lead. And... All of a sudden, a gal begins to, uh, to sing or to pray in the spirit, in tongues. And I'm just listening, because the only, the only previous time, previous uh, experience I had with tongues was being in churches where everybody just, just all over the place, right? Tongue, I said it, tongues of palooza. Just like, what in the world's going on? So I'm sitting there going, okay, what's gonna happen next? And my buddy, this Baptist pastor, he just sits there and, he, and you know what he does? He gives the interpretation. And I'm going, dude, what? That, you just did that? And it was so beautiful. It was so awesome. It sounded like a psalm of praise going up to God. And afterwards, I'm like, dude, I didn't know you had the gift. Yeah, I didn't either. I just, you know, that's the Lord put it upon my heart. And, but it was supernaturally natural. And it was beautiful. And so, and I was built up. And I know other people were built up. And so it's important to have that in a gathering together. We'll hit that next week a little bit more. But Paul says, if I'm exercising the gift of tongues or praying in tongues, there's a spiritual connection that's happening. And since tongues is communication with the Lord on a spiritual level, it passes by our intellect. And so he says, listen, what's the conclusion? Whether I pray or sing, again, the context is a, is a large gathering. If I pray or sing, I will do it with both my spirit and my understanding. In other words, Paul is not down on tongues. But in the general assembly, there must be understanding. There mu it's, it's absolutely vital that there's understanding that everyone is built up. Why? Verse 16, when the gift of tongues... Uh, when it's exercised, having interpretation, providing understanding is necessary because if you exercise the gift of tongues with no interpretation, what does he say? How can anyone say amen? How can anyone say amen to that? It, it, that, that tells me it's okay to say amen in church, by the way. Amen. <laughs> Thank you. Amen means I'm in agreement or so be it. If there's no understanding, how can I say amen to your giving of thanks? Oh, you give thanks really good. That's what he says in the next verse. But what? But I'm not built up. Man, you're a good praise giver, good blesser. You're getting blessed, but no one else is. It's all about you. And Paul says, I thank my God I speak with tongues more than you all. 
Yet, check this out, don't miss this. In the church, I would rather speak five words with my understanding. Why? That I may teach others also than 10,000 words in a tongue. So Paul is grateful that God gave him the gift of tongues and he exercised it regularly. In fact, more than anyone else. However, look what it says. At church, what, what did he do? He restricted the use of the gift. He would rather use his understanding to teach, to instruct. You know what that tells me? Paul limited his use of this gift to what? His personal devotional worship life. I think it's a great example to follow, by the way. Beautiful. Verse 20. Down to verse 25. Look what it says. Brethren, do not be children in understanding. He's saying, grow up here. However, in malice, be babes. But in understanding, be mature. You know, that's interesting he says that. That's a spirit-led exhortation. You know what he's telling them? You guys need to grow up. Because again, there was division. And malice means, have, malice means having evil intent to want to do someone else wrong, to, to hurt someone else. Isn't that... Isn't that weird that he's, isn't that weird that that's there? But that's a spirit-led exhortation to the church. In malice, don't be a professional in malice. Because the church was fighting one another. That's what's going on. It's like that, sh- that has no place in God's church wanting to do evil to someone else or harming someone else. You're using your spiritual gifts and look what's happening. Your heart's in the wrong place, he's saying to them. That's pretty heavy. Grow up, he's saying. Go on in, in your understanding. In the law it is written, it's from the Old Testament, Isaiah 28, if you're taking notes. In the law it is written, with men of other tongues and other lips I will speak to this people, and yet for all that they will not hear me, says the Lord. Therefore, tongues are for a sign, not to those who believe, but to, what did your Bible say? Unbelievers. But prophesying is not for unbelievers, but for those who believe. Therefore, if the whole church comes together where? In one place. And all speak with tongues. And there come in those who are uninformed like Pastor Mike was or unbelievers. Will they not say that you are out of your mind? You're a bunch of nuts. But, but if all prophesy I like that. If all prophesy and an unbeliever or an uninformed person comes in, what happens? He is convinced by all. He is convicted by all. And thus, the secrets of his heart are revealed. And so falling down on his face, he will worship God and report that God is truly among you. You know, I pray for that every week for our church. Would you also pray for that to happen in our church? It's amazing. The work of the Holy Spirit. 
I think verse 21, though, is the key. There's a lot of... Uh, a lot of confusion from some people on these verses. I think verse 21 really helps us understand what's being communicated. Paul goes back to the book of Isaiah. And here's the context of God saying this through Isaiah the prophet. You remember God was trying to get a hold of the children of Israel, their hearts. God had warned them. He brought them into the land flowing with milk and honey, correct? And he warned them, don't get involved with the heathen and the pagan around you. You need to be a light to them. But don't get involved with what they're doing. If you get involved with what they're doing, I'm going to have to, you're going to force me to chasten you. You're going to force me to discipline you. I'm going to take you out. I'm going to put you in a timeout. I'm going to kick you out of the house. Does that seem right? You guys with me? And what did the children of Israel do? They ignored the Lord. God would send prophet after prophet after prophet to get a hold of their heart. Just like the Lord does in our lives, doesn't he? When we're monkeying around with something we shouldn't be doing, doesn't God bring people into your life? That's about like maybe half the room. Maybe you're listening to a sermon on Sunday, then Monday you turn on like something, you listen, oh, it's the same message or the same. Do you know what that means? God's trying to get a hold of your heart. So God's warning them and warning them and warning them. And finally, he said, you know what? That's it. Time's up. And remember who he sent to the northern kingdom? The, who were they? The Assyrians. Men of a foreign language, foreign tongue. They refused to listen. Those foreign tongues, you know what they were? They were a sign of judgment. A sign of judgment. That's it. Time has expired. Well, what does that have to do with this? Listen, he said in verse 22, tongues are a sign to unbelievers, a sign of God's judgment. It's not that God is not really that God is using tongues as a tool to reach unbelievers, but a sign revealing the condition of the unbeliever's heart. In other words, it reinforces the reality that in their lives, they don't have the Holy Spirit. Prophesying, though, words that build up, stir up, and lift up are for who? They're for believers, primarily. Watch what happens, verse 23. The whole church comes together in one place. There it is. The church gathers and everyone is speaking in tongues all at once. Unbeliever shows up. What's he going to say? You're nuts. You're crazy. You know what it'll do? It'll give the unbeliever... It'll give the unbeliever another excuse to resist and to reject the gospel of Jesus Christ. But, look at the contrast, look what it says. If everyone is speaking words, they're prophesying. What does it mean to prophesy again? That sounded right. What verse is it in? If someone's prophesying, where do you find it? What verse? Verse what? Verse 3, he who prophesies speaks edification. You guys do it with me. Edification, exhortation, comfort to men. If everyone's doing that, so there's a time where we minister to one another. If everyone's doing that, that unbeliever or uneducated brother shows up, he will hear what? Compelling evidence. There's conviction. His heart will be revealed exposed by the Holy Spirit. And what will he do? Fall to his knees, testifying that God is truly in you. That's awesome. Isn't it? 
Again, I'm praying for that. And this is one reason gathering together and ministering to one another is so vital. It's so crucial. God wants to work in and through your life and my life in a special way, not only touching one another, but touching unbelievers too. Did you catch that? It's crucial. Prophecy is greater than tongues because God can use it in the life of both believers and unbelievers. Prophecy leads to what? Leads to the unbeliever, to repentance, faith, turning him into a worshiper. And sometimes it happens from the pulpit. This happens. Because I have some people that will stop me after service and say, who told you? Did, Did my wife email you? Nope. Someone told you. Come on. How'd you know that? No clue, man. I, listen, I'm trying to figure out my own life. <laughs> trying to keep everything going in the right direction, man. That's the Holy Spirit. Using a two-brain-celled dude like me. Just simply sharing the scripture simply. It's the Holy Spirit wanting to get a hold of your heart. That you would repent. That you would stop going the direction you're going because God loves you. You're going to wipe out, man. You're destroying yourself and you're you're going to destroy others and hurting others. And the Lord's trying to get a hold of you. I I typically say, you know what? That's the Lord, man. No one told me. No one gave me a heads up. You're coming. Because sometimes a lot of people come to church. You know what they do? They say, you were aiming that sermon right at me, Pastor. And I'll say, I had no idea you were here, man. <laughs> like some people think I'm looking at them the whole service. I am not looking at you. <laughs> I try to look at everybody, but it's like, I'm not like, okay, let's see who's here. Oh, yeah, there's a sermon for you. I knew you were coming on June, whatever. What's today, June 7th or something? I knew you were coming today. You know what that is? That is so, like, self-centered. You think it's all about you. And everybody's thinking about you. No one's thinking about you. You're the only one that thinks about you. Except for the Lord. Amen. If you're his child, his good thoughts, his thoughts are precious towards you over and over and over. Just like the sand on the seashore. Who went to surf camp yesterday? I'm still trying to get sand out of my shoes. Think about how many, think about how much that is. This God loves you. We got time for one more verse, verse 26. Because this is kind of wraps it right up. Good for us. How is it then, brethren? How's it gonna roll out when you get when you guys gather? Each of you has a song or When you come together, each of you has a psalm, has a teaching, has a tongue, has a revelation, has an interpretation. Let all things be done for edification. So you come to church and you're like, I got a psalm. I got got something I want to share. That's awesome. Let all things be done for what? Edification. Edification. Not to toot your horn. I got something everybody's got to hear so everybody thinks that I am like super spiritual. I'm awesome. No, I got something I want to share because I want to build up the body of Christ. 
I want to encourage my brothers and sisters. This tells me something. Yes, again, it's great to receive. But when we come together, God's intention of our gathering is a time of participation also. And I realize it's hard in a group like this for everybody to participate. That's why we have small groups, home fellowships, and so forth. Listen, before church, after church, there are opportunities for us to minister to one another. It's absolutely a crucial time, you guys, to minister to one another. I would say be on the lookout to love others. It is more blessed to give than to receive, Jesus said. What happens if we don't? What happens if we just sit around and get filled up? We just mentioned a little while ago, what happens? You get overweight, thank you. I think that's what you're saying. <laughs> you guys know anything about sheep? Do you guys know anything about overweight sheep? I think I've shared this before, haven't I? Overweight sheep, if they don't get any exercise, you know what happens to them? That's right. They're cruising through the wilderness, right? On their trail, eating. Then all of a sudden they hit like a little bump in the road and they roll over. <coughs> I can't go too high. That's the, can, you, can you envision that? They're on their backs and they can't get rolled over. You know what happens? They're easy pickings for wolves, critters. They can't turn themselves over because they're overweight sheep. And you know what happens sometimes too? They die. They just, they can't roll back over. That's why they need a good shepherd. But a good shepherd will give them exercise or provide opportunities for them to exercise so that they're healthy. If I become an overweight sheep, I am in an unhealthy place spiritually. Are you with me? This whole passage is about building up one another, encouraging one another, because every part, Ephesians 4, every part needs to do its share so that we grow together, edifying, the body edifies itself, you know what it says, in love. We're built up together in love when every part does its share in Jesus' name. Lord, thank you this morning. Lord, just a sweet time, Lord, to gather and to be together. I pray that my brothers and sisters would take away those things that have come from your heart. That we would continue to grow in grace and the knowledge of you. Thank you for the giftings and callings you've given us. Lord, help us to walk in these things as we do get engaged in taking that step out in faith, that you would meet us right there in a special way. For your commandments are your enablements. It's where we experience your strength and your wisdom, your power. your love in a special dynamic way. I pray for those brothers and sisters, Lord, that perhaps are scared this morning. They'd be reminded that you have not given us a spirit of fear or timidity, but power, love, and sound mind.
that you're the one that's in us, Lord Jesus, helping us, enabling us to do what you've called us to do. May my brothers and sisters be encouraged, Lord. Continue to stir up their hearts, stir up those giftings. May we be about our Father's business, that we might bring you glory. We thank you so much for this special time to be together. May the rest of our time, Lord, bless your heart. Would you fill us afresh this morning, that truly out of our hearts would flow rivers of living water, just as you said, Lord Jesus. Again, that you would get all the glory. And it's in your precious and your holy name that we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Amen.